The following is a North Carolina Baptist resource. For more, visit ncbaptist.org. Cultural mastery has been born out of the result of realizing that we tell our folks, you've got to love them for the sake of the gospel. You've got to love your neighbors. You've got to connect with them. But the problem, many times we don't give them the skills and the mindset so we can start from educating them to the point that we learn how to engage them and love them and ultimately lead them to the Lord. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and you'll see it, 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 it's, it's all written even in our thing over there. Apostle Paul had gave us a good reminder. I have become all things to all men, but by doing so, we can save some. To the weak, I became a weak. To the Jew, I became a Jew. To the Gentile, I became a Gentile. As a matter of fact, I'm even willing to give up everything for the sake of the gospel. Now, we just have to make sure you understand this. When you connect with other cultures, you got to love them, but you do not change your faith and your convictions. Hopefully you understand that. In other words, you may encounter them and love them, but we don't have to change our convictions. We need to love them, but we hate the sin. But they need the gospel. So the gospel is exclusive gospel. So what we have right now are, is a material that is now going to be presented in different places. And Brother Jay is going to give us an overview of what this, what this is all about. And later on, I'm going to talk to you about, the, this is the awareness training. Then we'll talk about the connection training. So I'm going to call on Jay, because Jay and Betsy were able to lead a cohort to this. And we also have been able to present it to some of our pastors and leaders. So Brother Jay is one of our trainers here, and he's going to present to us what Culture Mass is all about. All right, good evening, everyone. Glad to have all of you up on this wonderful day. Cold on the outside, but warm inside, right? All of our hearts are warm. So, cultural mastery. Uh, so, Betsy and I had the opportunity to uh, lead a cohort uh, through cultural mastery. We went through it. She was on a different team than I, than I was um, and when we got certified to do this. But for me, it was transformation. When we talk about culture, it helped me within my own culture because I didn't even realize that I had biases in my own culture. And so it sort of transformed my life to understand not only is it for people that are different from us, but it's also for people that are like us. And I think it's a valuable uh, tool to help us to be able to advance the kingdom of God. It's discipleship. Now when you read the book, you may not see Scriptures as Ken has quoted uh, scripts, you may not see that in there. It's not meant for that. It's a tool to help us uh, to take, and then we allow the Holy Spirit to use us and to minister to uh, through us to reach people and to disciple people and to help them to understand how we can better be equipped to advance the kingdom of God. And so I um, I did the uh, sort of a, an advanced version in Little River Association uh, last month. And it was, it was great because people begin to understand, wow, that makes sense of, of the things that I was going through in teaching. So um, we're going to do kind of like you've heard the express train. The express train, it doesn't make too many stops. It just kind of takes you where you want to go. This is an, ex- this is an ex- express uh, presentation today. So when we think about and look at co- creating cultural transformation, we want to develop cultural, healthy, and skilled leaders through our partnership with Cultural Mastery. It's a, a training process that we teach. Um, 
and we, as I just stated, we look at these six cultures, and we're going to go through that in just a few minutes. Uh, it's, the, it's the mastery to the leader's heart and mind. If your heart is not in it, guess what? It's not going to work, right? It's just, uh, I think it's Danny Gorky that uh, sings that song that said, if God is not in it, it's, it's not going to work, right? So, it's that cultural transformational piece. So creating uh, cultural transformation, uh, it teaches both a mindset and a skill set. So when you look at mindset, it determines how we view one another. That's the mindset. It's all about, um, what do you call it? Uh, when you, the way you view things. I can't think of the word. Worldviews. Yeah. 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 Well, not worldviews. It's, it's, it's how you, yourself, how you perceive. Perception. That's the word I'm looking for. Perception. It's all about perception because I can look at, I can look at Gary. I say, man, Gary's a great person. I like Gary. But then somebody else comes by and says, oh, I don't like Gary. <laughs> Why you don't like Gary? Because of the way he looks, see? But I like him. So it's all about perception. But we have to understand now we've got to look at a mindset, and then we have a skill set that determines how we treat one another. So you've got a mindset. You've got a skill set. So both are absolutely necessary to transform cultural relationships. Do you agree with that? Does that make sense? All right. Good. Then these are the objectives. When you think about cultural mastery, you want to help your leaders in your local church, your ministries, uh, uh, to influence people of diverse cultures. You want to break down biases. As I said to you in starting off, I had biases within my own culture. Can you imagine that, right? We want to be able to break down biases. We want to keep from derailing our careers. There are many people, and I'm not talking about the secular world, I'm talking about in our own uh, Christian world that we live in, in our church world, and our religious world, that we have uh, derailed our, our careers because we didn't know, did not know how to treat people or to interact with people, right? We'll, also, we don't want to hurt the organization's reputation. This helps because now you're going to learn how to interact with people, how to teach people, reach people, talk to people, equip leaders to connect, create, and collaborate with people of diverse cultures in an effort to drive higher levels of performance, productivity, and profitability, and most of all, transformation. So when we look at, first of all, we have these categories that Ricardo has put together under the six stages of culture mastery. First of all, the first two stages are to connect. So we have education, and then we have stage two is engagement. Those are the, that first piece is one of the most important pieces because it teaches you about the other person that you are trying to relate to or trying to build that relationship with. And then engagement. So let's look at education. Education means to bring up, to train, to lead. Training of the mind. Cultural education is a process. It's not going to happen overnight. It's not going to happen in 30 days. It is an ongoing process of how we learn about the person that we are beginning or trying to build a relationship with. So, here's an example. 
Betsy and I, we were doing this cohort together. So Betsy, as I said earlier, she was on a different team and a different cohort than I was. But they paired us up to do the first cohort. We were excited, didn't know anything, right? We were just fresh out of school, if you will, right? <laughs> so we had to meet every week before our group, our cohort met because we were doing it and we wanted to make sure we were on the same page. But we didn't even know each other. So guess what we did? We spent a lot of time learning about each other, education, right? That was a part of it so we could be able to be genuine and real with the people that we were getting ready to coach through the six stages. Betsy, you want to speak to that just for a minute? Yes, I, I think, I mean, I think it helped us, um, the two of us, to be able to communicate the importance of education, not just, like you were saying, just speaking it, but actually having lived it ourselves. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, Jay and I come from two very different, <laughs> very, different. very different backgrounds, and I grew up in South America to North American parents, and he grew up in South Florida, <laughs> and we, I mean, it was just really interesting, and, and just learning about his upbringing in the first few years of his life, and that um, that he was living in sort of this this bubble. bubble, and suddenly he's in school, and he's having to learn all these new things about the different cultures that are around him, which are many in Florida, and just the things that he was learning about himself, and learning about um, just, you know, biases and prejudices, things that we just begin to uncover together, um, but also to be able to learn each other's experience and be able to appreciate um, one another more yeah. deeply. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Thank you. So if we all would really, really look at us, we all ha have those biases and those prejudices, but we'd sort of sweep them to the side and we've really just gone about our business, even in the church. Right? Somebody said a long time ago, if you're looking for the perfect church and you find it, don't you join because it won't be perfect anymore. Right? So education, learning about that person, getting to know uh, what, what's your favorite food? You know, what do you like? Because, let's see, what type of food do you like? Well, that it's easier to ask me what I don't like. <laughs> <laughs> well, we talked about like things like Argentine food and bananas. Yeah. Um, you know. So I grew up on collard greens, black-eyed peas, ham hocks. Yeah. <laughs> See, that, that's my type of food. What do we call it? Soul foods, right? <laughs> but if you did not know me and you from another culture, you would know that because as Betsy grew up in Argentina, she didn't know anything about soul food per se, right? So it's getting to know that person. What are your, what, what's your favorite sports? So you're getting to know this person and talking to them and learning what they like. All right, makes sense. All right, do this for me. Take maybe two minutes. Just the person next to you or somebody behind you and, and, and do that for a minute, just learn something about them that you didn't know about. Just take a couple minutes, two minutes. It, isn't it exciting to see how much you can learn about a person just by really having a, a, a conversation with them? But a lot of times what we do, we talk surface talk, and we never learn really in depth about the person, and we'll go through life just knowing things 
from a surface standpoint about a person, but this, this takes you deeper. So education, from education you move into engagement. So engagement is the initial commitment and total commitment in terms of the relationship. Now you move from education. You begin to learn about this person. You know some things about this person now. You know what their favorite foods are. You know where they, where they have grown up. You know about their, uh, what type of sports they like, uh, their favorite hobbies and things like that. So now you say, wow, I like this person. I want to I wanna go deeper, right? Remember when you were dating and uh, all of a sudden you met this beautiful girl, the one that you thought, man, this is the one I've been looking for, right? And all of a sudden you date for a little while and you say, wow. And you go out and you, for the men, you start looking for a ring, right? Because you want to do what? You want to propose, you want to marry her, and you get into an engagement, right? Because you what? You determine, I want to go deeper and I want to be more committed to this person. Same thing here as with building this relationship. It is, again, a commitment. It's a total commitment to the relationship. It allows you and the other person the opportunity to get close enough to each other to determine whether or not you want to make this long-term commitment. You say, I like him or I like her. We want to spend more time together. We want to go deeper into this relationship. So that's engagement. Question, comments, concerns. Yeah, like what Jay said, you start to know what their values are, the, the things that have shaped them in terms of historical events in their lives. You know, I'm saying yeah, you go deeper. Yeah. You're going deeper into a relationship. Yes. And again, remember, this doesn't happen overnight. This is, a, this is a process, continual process. Even though you have moved from an education to engagement, you're still learning about the person. Month after month, day after day, month after month, you continue learning about each other. All right. So, stage one and two goes under the category of connect. All right. So, education and engagement. AJ. Hey, hey yes. In fact, if I can just interject one thing, I, I know one of the things that was really big for me when we were talking about education was um, how many of us have ever known a people group or maybe just a family down the street, and we say, "Why did they do that?" Mm -hmm. That's, that's education. And, and, and knowing the why changes everything. That's good, but, Marty. But, but, you, but you have to spend time to get to know them. On the mission field, we used to call the education phase research. <laughs> you have to do research before you get engagement. But so many times people jump to engagement first right, right. without getting to know people. And then as they're trying to work with them, they can't figure out why are they doing these. And they didn't spend time to get to know them. So. No, that's a good point. And you know what? We do that in our churches today. Yep. We don't really spend time getting to know the people. People come, they join our church, we shake their hand. And I don't know about in other cultures and other churches, but in the black church, what we would do is a tradition, and it's sort of phasing out, but we would give them the right hand of fellowship, and we would welcome them in, but we did not really learn about those members of those people that were coming to our churches. And we're still doing that. We accept them in. We shake their hand. We give them a hug. We say, I love you. But do you really love them? You haven't even got to know them. Right? So we want to go deeper. And this is what this is all about. It's not just about people in your community. It's also about the people in our churches as well. As we, as we minister to them and we disciple them, you take them through the, the, these six stages 
I'm telling you, it's going to make a difference in your ministry and in the people that you're ministering to because now they know for real that you truly and genuine love them. And that's what millennials are looking for. They're looking for the authenticity of our leadership. They're looking for the genuineness of our leadership. And just to piggyback on what Marty said, I think one of the things that you won't see in this presentation is really the definition of culture. And that's where it really is. It's like learning, understanding the why, understanding that culture is just like your culture is, someone else's culture is, and not judging the why. And I think that that's where we fall short, is we our immediate judgment, even if we don't like to admit it. And that's what this will also challenge you to do, is to learn and to put aside those judgments to really truly learn about someone else and their culture and why. And that's a good point. When we transition over to the next one, when you put away those biases and those prejudices and those, those preconceived ideas of what you thought or the stereotypes that you had against somebody that's not like you, or as Marty said, why do they do that? But there's a purpose, there's a reason why another culture does something that's different than your culture. But we, we don't know that until we get to do what? Know them. Right? All right. So empathy moves in. The word empathy is the composite of two Greek words, M, which is in, and pathos, which is passion. So now, being empathetic towards a person or a group of people, it's not just feeling sorry for them or commiserating with them emotionally. It's about being passionate with the, that person or that group and really understanding them. Now I move from education. I move out. I, I, I know them and I know them a lot better now. And now I've engaged with them. But guess what? You begin to come closer and closer. You become friends now. And you like what they like. They like what you like. And you're all moving in the same direction. That empathy says now it's not about sympathy. Sympathy says what? What is sympathy? Sorry. Yeah, I feel sorry. But empathy goes deeper than that. It's not, it's not just feeling sorry for a person or even feeling sorry for a person. It's like, man, I have passion for you. It's like Jesus when he was walking. He didn't care who you were, what you looked like. He had this compassion for all of us. It's that same concept of that compassion that I feel. I can feel that way about Betsy. I can feel that way about Ken. I can feel that way about Gary when I get to know them. But if I never get to know them, it won't happen. Guess what? You are not going to like me after the day. But it's in our churches. For sure. No way. I, I know Neil, you didn't know that. I know Neil didn't, he didn't know that. But, but I'm telling, I'm telling Neil today, it's in our churches. <laughs> right? It, it's, we don't really have this empathy for the people that God is saying, I want you to minister to, I want you to reach, I want you to teach, I want you to disciple. We don't have it. Some of the things we do is because we feel like, oh, that's what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to do this. That's my job. That person is a project. And not, and not a person, you know. Not or that quote that says empathy is finding echoes of yourself in another person. James, what what uh, just occurred to me is that uh, God has wired each of us with the imago dei in each of us, uh, the very God qualities that He has 
planted in us long before we were in our mother's womb. And when you are empathetic towards a person, it is through that education and engagement that when you begin to learn how a person is wired, what they're truly gifted in, and you begin to see potential that only, it's, it's a spiritual perspective now. You've got to look at the spiritual eyes, spiritual ears, and, and having a God's point of view with working. You see that in person, and you see here is a diamond in the rough just waiting to be shaped and molded, not by me, mm -hmm. but by God the Holy Spirit, and, and we're all going to partner in this together. Yeah. So when we think about it, a lot of things that we do is because of what we have learned or even what we have caught in our childhood, our cultural disciplines, the way things were done. We pick those things up. Quick story, it's like the, the daughter asked the mother, says, Mom, why do you cut the end of the ham off every time you bake it? Mom says, I, I don't know, that's what your grandmother did, so let me ask Grandma. Why she, why she cut the end of the ham off every time she baked it? So she went, she asked her mom, and then she go, uh, mom says to her, she says, well, the reason that I cut the end of the ham off is because it was too big and it would not fit in the pan that we had back then in the day. So it's things that we learn, and we don't even know why we're doing them ourselves sometimes, right? But the other people look at us and say, well, why do you do what you do? Sometimes it's behavior, it's customs, mm -hmm. and even belief in our attitudes, right? But we don't know that unless we do what? Get to know them, get to understand who they are, right? Empathy, being passionate. Ken, Marty, you want to say something about that? Well, I, I think you, know, you said it all already that empathy is so much different from sympathy. And unfortunately, a lot of ministries that we do in the church are mm. out of sympathy. Yep. And, and if we could just learn this, it would impact <laughs> yep. our ministry so much better. Just yeah, to, to, That's you know, a good point. I mean, my dad used to always say, walk in somebody else's shoes. You know, whatever, mm. whatever. But that, I love the, the illustration of the two Greek words. And I mean, it's, it's to have passion for those people. Yes, yes, yes. No, does that hurts. Good, yeah. So notice, I, I, I keep bringing this back to the church. Back to because. If we don't get this right, how can the church become that church without spot or wrinkle? Now we teach that, we preach that, but do we live that? Because Christ says he's coming back and he's looking for the church without what? Spot or wrinkle. I think we got a lot of spots and a lot of wrinkles in our churches today. But when, if we really get down to it and we really do what God has called us to do, we will walk through these six stages. As Marty just said, we make a great impact upon the people that we minister to and the people we serve with in our local church. So now, education, engagement, empathy, and here comes the excitement. Right? So think about it. 
you've been knowing this person for a while now. This is not just a couple of weeks. You've been knowing this person and you've been meeting with this person and building a relationship with this person. And now you're excited about this person, excited with this person. You kind of know them a little bit now. You know a lot about them now because you share with them day in and day out. So now excitement is to give encouragement, which means to give support, confidence, and hope. Now, the person down the street from me, I don't just walk out the door and look at them and just throw up my hand and keep on going now. Now I have a relationship with them. Now I'm able to talk to them and understand and even maybe I've moved into being able to pray with them. Because we are talking about advancing the kingdom of God, right? That is a part of what we are supposed to do. But how can we do that if we don't build relationships with people? So now I'm meeting, I've met this person and I'm having a great relationship with this person, but now I'm excited and I want to support this person in any way that I can. I want to uh, be able to encourage this person along the way. Whatever that person is going through, guess what? I want to go through it with them. Because I, I, I feel what they feel now. Because we're becoming closer and closer as friends in the relationship. Betsy, I see that look on your face. Oh, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm nodding. I'm nodding in full support, confidence, and hope. I want to say something, yes. For example, it's a simple like uh, raising up children. Whatever culture you come from, you have the challenges of raising a child. Then the next thing you talk about is, we understand that, you can, you can empathize with them. But then it says, how did you raise up your kids? Do I have hope? What, what about college? They know it's going to be expensive. And I tell them about, I know that. And so, so what did you do with your kids? And so we talk about, uh, this is what I did. And, and so we provide hope. It says, you can do it. My kids grew up here, but you have to understand, we have the same cultural challenges as well. So we were able to connect in terms of, even in terms of family, but then we're able to provide hope. You can do it with your kids. Because some of them are saying, what will be the future of my kids? You know, we're, I'm afraid. Is there a future for them? You know, uh, we may not have the same advantage you have. But we're able to provide excitement. Says, you can do it. Let me tell you what we did. So we can empathize with them and tell them some possibilities right, we can right. do with them. So yeah, yeah. simple as even family experiences. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Good, good, good. Anybody else? So we connect, we create, and so now we collaborate. So when we look at these six stages of cultural mastery, the goal in the cultural relationship, it has to be cultural endearment and not cultural tolerance. And we're going to look at that just a little bit more. So the, the antithesis to, to this is it's the opposite of love, which is hate. So, not tolerance. So we don't want to just tolerate people. We want to do what? No, no, we don't. That's tolerance. That's tolerance. I'm kidding you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's what I feel like it's happening in our church. We just put up with people. Um, yeah. Yes. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Yeah. <laughs> we we do that. We just put up with people. Go ahead, Mark. No, all, the, all the bumper stickers. I'm trying to think what it says, but it's something about tolerance, right? Be tolerant. Be tolerant. That's, I mean, that's a big cultural thing today in the United States. We need to learn to be tolerant of other cultures. 
thing about tolerant means I don't like it, but I'll put up with it. Exactly. But we're talking about the complete opposite of that is to, is to really get to that point where you you have that connection that you love them. May not, you may not agree with them, but you love them. But here, here's the thing, though. You just said it. That, that, that's, that's so key because if I'm just tolerating you, guess what? I, don't, I may not have empathy for you. I may not encourage you along the way. Or if I don't like something that you really have done, then I, I'll see you. Right. I'm not going to be your friend anymore. It's, um, it's like the, the, the little boy that said to his parents, he said, when they wouldn't do what he wanted them to do, he says, I'm not going to be your friend no more. <laughs> right? And that's what happens when you just tolerate. But if you really, really love someone, guess what? No matter if they messed up, they did something wrong, something that you didn't like, are you gonna fall out of love with them just like that? Are you still you still love them? Splendid church. Yeah. See, Gary. <laughs> I I'm think I've grown cynical. Come out to talk years. to Gary after we finish. <laughs> you and I, we're gonna get together. <laughs> People who are culturally in here will sacrifice ego for the common. Wow. That's powerful. Sacrifice ego. <laughs> For the common good. Collaboration depends on cultural endearment. So when we look at these last two pieces under collaboration, empowerment. To empower means to put power into people. Empower so that they can accomplish something of importance to all that's concerned. So when we think about empowerment, when we use the word empowerment, we use it in sort of a different way. We think it's like, oh, encourage you. I want to empower you, Neil, so I want to encourage Neil. Go ahead, man, get that new, that new position, that new job. But that's not really all of empowerment. Empowerment says, I want to be there to help you along the way. I want to be able to resource you of the, of, of the things that you need to accomplish the task that you have been assigned. So say, for instance, in our local church, when we have leaders in our churches, we have the responsibility as pastors and leaders to empower the people that we have given those ministry positions to, right? But if I ask Betsy, I'm the pastor, and I say, Betsy, I want you to be my discipleship leader. And Betsy says, yeah, I love it. That I, God has called me to be a discipler, and I want to be a part of this team. Betsy comes to me and says, hey, pastor, I need some supplies for discipleship. I say, well, Betsy, I really don't have any supplies, and we don't have a budget for that. I'm not empowering her, but I want her to do the job, right? I want her to get the job done, but how is she going to get the job done if I don't supply her with the necessary things that she needs to do discipleship? So it's beyond just encouragement, Bessie. I, I know you're a good disciple. You got the gift for it. Go ahead and get that discipleship class moving for me. Would you do that? She has a smile on her face. But guess what's going to happen eventually? She's going to get frustrated because she and discouraged because she doesn't have the empowerment or the tools or the resources to do what she's been asked to do. So it goes beyond just that encouragement piece, right? So it's not just encouragement people to be the best they can. It's not just about 
what they might do. It's about providing the necessary resource to allow people to be able to excel at whatever it is we want to accomplish, want them to accomplish, or we want to accomplish together. Look at this. Good leadership empowers by inspiring and providing the resources for success. Think about that. Are we doing a good job in our churches? And empowering people. <clears throat> Y'all looking at me funny. Does that not make sense to you all? No, we're not doing this. <laughs> no, not. So that's something that we need to think about. Empowerment. And so endearment. Here it is right here. This is this is my favorite part. And this is where I say that the church is not doing a very good job at all. Now, we go up to people every Sunday, right? We shake their hands. Bruh, sis, I love you. But do we really love them? Because when that person comes to you hurting, in pain, and they need your help, they need your support, they need your empathy, and we look at them and say, oh, I'll pray for you. And that's all we do. But do we really love the people that's in our ministries and our churches? Do we, I'm saying really love them. That's what Ricardo talks about, the endearment. The word endear, the word dear means something or someone you hold close to your heart. Think about it. I know pastors, I know some pastors, they don't hold their members close to their heart. I'm sorry, pastors. Mm -hmm. uh, but they don't hold members close to their heart. So when you say, I love you, it should be from here. When my mom was alive, I would tell people all the time, I said, boy, I love going to see my mom. And when I, when I get there and I see her and I hug her and I say, mom, I love you. You know where that comes from? It comes from here. That's not just something that's coming off my lips. It's something that's really Deep down in my heart, in my soul, in my spirit, we got to have the same love that Christ has for us. He loved us so much that he did what? He died for us. And God wants us to love our people and our churches and the people that we have been called to minister to and reach for the advancement of the kingdom of God. So endearment means to hold some or something, someone or something within your heart and soul. It's, it's love, which is more than a feeling. Go back to that tolerance. Tolerance is just some feeling. It goes up and down. Feeling can do what? Change. I'm feeling good one day. I don't feel like it today. I'm going to love you today, but I don't love you tomorrow. I won't love you tomorrow. That's not true genuine endearment. It's not a feeling. It's a willingness to sacrifice oneself. I'm sacrificing myself. And as we look at, talk about that ego, I'm putting that aside because of my love for you. And that love that we have, we talk about it all the time, agape love, that unconditional love, but do we really live it out? I don't think we do a good job in really living out the agape love that God has called us to love people with. Endearment says, I'm going to sacrifice myself. When people under our care are truly endear to us, not only do we hold them dear to our hearts, 
but they also hold us close to their heart. People know when you're real, and they know when you're fake. They can read you, especially the young people today. It's just something about it. They could pick it up just like that. You can say it all you want, but do you really mean it from the heart? And the interesting thing is the idea that you may feel like you've gotten to endearment with somebody and there's the education stage with you. And so good, sometimes we good. fake our way into, oh, we're already in this endearment phase, but it's really that you just feel a lot of things for them, but you still don't really know them yet. And they don't feel known and, and being able to recognize that. And you may have to go back and start again <laughs> to kind of get there together. So, mm-hmm. so our goal must be cultural endearment, not cultural tolerance. All right, questions, comments, concerns? James, I don't think it's, uh, I'm not a Greek scholar or English scholar. In fact, I'm not a scholar. Um, but I think the word agape is a verb. It's not a noun. So the word agape is, is a verb. It's something we do. It's an action word. Something that we're supposed to do. Totally agree. Totally agree. Jay, I, I would just say back, back on the uh, empowerment and endearment. Um, and again, let me take a step back. I was talking to somebody downstairs mm-hmm. that at the booth, and they come back and they saw the book, and, and, and I said, well, they said, now, tell me about this book. And I said, I said, well, this is not a Christian book, and they started to walk off. Mm-hmm. And I said, I said, well, hold on just a second. I said, I said, have you ever read any books on leadership? Yeah, what's your favorite ones? The first three he mentioned were not Christian books <laughs> on leadership. So I want to be clear that uh, Ricardo is a believer. Mm-hmm. He has served as a minister. He has... Uh, he has a shared connection with everybody in this room. This book was written a lot for Fortune 500 companies to understand their employees. But but I want to pick up on that last the last two points: um, empowerment and endearment. I think of John 14, mm-hmm. and one of the hardest verses for me to understand is when Jesus <coughs> told his disciples, "He said, my disciples, you will do even greater things than I've done." And I, that's still a verse that's hard for me to understand. But I think over the years, and some of you have experienced this, you've discipled somebody, and you see that person, they, they're, they're a whole lot better than <laughs> disciple than you are. Right. And you're thinking, how did that happen? But that, and, and in that same chapter, chapter 14 of Jephite, Jesus describes, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. <laughs> I'm going to empower you. I've empowered you with my teaching, and I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to bring you the comforter. And, and all of that stuff to me just... It just is kind of the summation of, of what the six stages are getting to that endearment. But I, I, this is something that our churches need. It's something that, that I that I need. And, and I think all of us can, can really grow. I think the best thing, and I know maybe you guys are going to talk about it, but the best thing is going through it with a group. Yeah. It's, mm-hmm. It's sharing those experiences yeah. and, and as you work through these things together. Mm-hmm. Good. Thank you, Marty. Alright, as we get ready to wrap this up, um, Jay, the, the one question that keeps coming to my mind is, okay, so what stage do we, do I actually have a gospel conversation? What stage do I do that in? But for, for me, I think that's, you're going to have to determine that and see where you are in the relationship, right? When, when can, uh, uh, for me, let me back up. I believe it's by the prompting and the leadership of the Holy Spirit. I think that's the most important piece. You've got to be led by God to say, okay, and God will open that door for you. 
I, that's, that's me. Now, you all may not think like that, but that's the way I think that. When it's time, God is going to open the door, and you can, you, you can walk right in, and the Holy Spirit will do the rest. Y'all looking at me funny like I'm, I'm, I'm in left field somewhere? No, no I way think off. it's our problem. Huh? I think it's our problem. Talk to me. We, we do systematic. Mm. You do A, B, C, D, and E. Thou shalt not skip any step. <laughs> it's sort of like Barney and, and uh, what's your name on Andy Griffith's show? Never will forget one time he asked. He said, I know you're probably busy. And there's Saturday night, there's a dance. And, and he starts making, she said, I'd love to go. And he just keeps on, I know you've got this, and I know you've got that. And she keeps saying yes. If we get to point E, it, instead of having to put it in a step, that's the Holy Spirit leading us. Instead of us saying, oh, we can't do that until we get to the last section mm -hmm. or the fourth section or something like that. And I think that's one of the things that I like about what you're saying. It's got to be a process more than a system. Now, why don't you come on up and well, that, was a <laughs> that was a set of questions. <laughs> oh, yeah, I figured that because out. Because here's the point. Gospel's conference is exactly what Brother Jay said. It happens. It happens regularly. Whenever you're prompted and God hands it to you on a platter. And he will do that multiple times, folks, when you have a relationship with, with somebody else. And and when you and when you start empathizing, I'm it that's when it grows that's you guys that grows in you. And it you're burdened by that. Yeah. Yeah. That's good, Neil. Thanks. Uh, before Ken comes back, Ken is going to get ready to come back. But let me get two takeaways. Somebody, anybody, share just one thing that you have gained from the information that we've shared today. And how can you take this back, utilize it, or tell your people that you can, Ken is going to tell you how to move to the next step and how you can get more involved in, with cultural, cultural mastery. Who will? Somebody should. One takeaway. Everybody has a culture. Mm -hmm. And it's usually rooted in their beliefs. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily their core values. They could have the same core values, but a different set of beliefs to get them there that you have. Mm -hmm. So you have to find out where they're based and then go from there as far as your witnesses. All right. Very insightful. Yes. That's good. One more person. One more. Okay. I appreciate that uh, the core value, the whole point of it is mm. love. Mm. It's all about love. Mm. And that's what we call it too as, as believers and advance the kingdom just to love to love people. So, yeah. 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 Thank you. Thank you for sharing. Mark? Yes. All right. Thanks, Mark. Thank you. Thank you, Jay. I appreciate Jay and the rest of you. Uh, If you want to know more, you can ask them because they have... By the way, anyone else would like to share from the team have experienced this? Your takeaways from your own personal journey with this, how it transformed your life? It has changed me. I, I think a lot of people know this has been my, my, my focus. Uh, as a matter of fact, it's by my specialization. When I went through this, I realized I had biases and, and prejudices still. And God had to convict me with this. Yeah, I, I would just add to yes. that. We lived overseas for 25 years. I thought I understood. We, we had training by the International Mission Board about cultural adaptation. We had training about language. Um, this showed me that I had some blind spots in my own life. 
and, and, a lot of, and, and if they're blind spots, they're there because you don't see them. <laughs> and so going through this study helped me see that. I think it will help anybody. Mm -hmm. That's right. Yeah. So, yeah. So, good, good. Bet you want to yeah, say no, something? I, I yes. I was just going to tag on to that. Just, just in case you're wondering, I know it's, it's easy to look at this in such a quick, um, you know, it, this was really fast, and you see six steps, and you see a lot of corporate lingo because the thing we saw initially is kind of his, the general thing that he's sharing with everybody. But really, going through this is an individual transformation experience. It is not, I'm doing this as another six steps to success. You know, like I'm, I'm the first person to be turned off by anybody who tells me I can do anything in six steps or 12 steps or one step. Really, I, I asked the Lord to like just erase that from me and to help me be open to the process. And in that, I just, I discovered the, the real treasures that are, um, that are kind of hidden in these steps and the fact that you don't you don't really skip any of them mm -hmm. but they're all important and it, it will challenge you if you allow this especially within a group setting with a facilitator you will be asked some hard questions that you'll have to come face to face with and it may be very uncomfortable um, but you can come out on the other side of that and and grow and be personally challenged and be ready to love more deeply and to love more sincerely and to realize we are all created with that imago day and not only that but every culture is valuable it's just we only know our own and we don't know how blinded we are by our own until we're face to face with another culture and then to be able to love that culture fully and embrace and know that culture is i think that's one of the big things culture is and if you get into this book you'll find out what that what those two words really mean yeah. it's really so, yeah. thank you so there's so many cultures out there but what you said is important and everyone said we're all made in the image of god regardless mm -hmm. of who you deal with mm -hmm. every one of us have are depraved we have sinful nature that god had to change mm -hmm. but god has the potential of changing us to the gospel mm -hmm. so we need to understand that so unless there is transformation from within we cannot have organizational transformation mm -hmm. in our churches in our organizations mm -hmm. it starts with us so thank you the leaders here so let me give you some opportunity so what's the next step what you got here is like when you go to the mall they says hey here's some teriyaki chicken <laughs> you, you got a taste of it right now you want the full meal we have given you a, a list of places where we will be offering the six stages of culture mastery these are eight places where there are pockets of lostness. This is very strategic. Because one of the questions will be asked, you are in an area of one of the pockets of lostness, and you have prayed about this. What are you going to do about this? If you're dealing with Muslims, by the way, when you share the gospel, I'm letting you know you cannot go beyond this here until you develop a relationship and you start talking about beliefs and core values. Once you get deeper into this, you'll be amazed how God opens the door. They may start asking about your faith. They may even invite you to their, to their mosque. And you can probably invite them to your church. I'm just saying, you cannot get to this level. Many times you share the gospel over here without even knowing who this person is. This is going to give us that opportunity. So you got, you got this. So you, you pick with the one closest to you. You can go online and you can register. Go to ncbaptist.org forward slash cultural mastery. 
it's over here, and you can register in one of the eight uh, places. These are the plate, eight strategic places. It's going to be six hours. We will give you a taste of what it means to go to the book, what it means to go to the manual. We have a manual here. And you will also see what happens when you go online, the access. By the way, that's why I have to give, give you a disclaimer. You will see things that will make you uncomfortable. You will read articles that you say, whoa. But you know why? Because we've never been exposed to these things. Many times we live in a bubble. But when you start seeing these things, God starts to realize, he says, God, is there any hope for these people? I'm letting you know God can reach anyone. But we need to be ready to be able to engage with this. You go to this, you go to online, but then you have the discussion in the group. I'm praying that you, God, will lead you to a group where you can go through this. Make it as diverse as possible, right? if you can. You'll be surprised. You see the same video articles. Everybody looks at it differently. But that's where you can learn. Learn to realize, God, what are my blind spots? And lastly, I'm just praying that when you go through this, like what was said earlier, the transformation has to start with you. You cannot take this to your leadership in your church unless you yourself are willing to change. And it's only the Holy Spirit that can change us. Because we have, we have the message. We have the motivation behind this. We need to love people uh, for the glory of God. But we need some methods. We're just giving you a tool here that can be utilized. Why? For the simple reason at the very end. Whatever it costs, Apostle Paul said, whatever it costs for me to share the gospel with these people to the Lord, am I willing to pay the price? That's what love is all about. And that's why I said, that's why we were, we were drawn to this. When Neil introduced to us, what's the difference from other books? It ends up with love. I said, oh, where did he get that? And so we realized, so Ricardo is a believer. So he's useless. So we can love people into the kingdom. So it's a prayer. If you have any questions, if you want to purchase the materials, now here's the plug-in. It's going to cost you $50. People say, whoa, $50. You go to a lot of conferences, it's going to cost you more than that. This material in the corporate world, and Neil knows about that, it'll cost you more than $1,500 for the $1,500, just to go through it, the cohorts. We're giving it to you for $50. How can you get such a price? And it is a cost. We're not adding anything to this, all right? This is what Ricardo is charging us. You get the book, you get the, the leader, leader, uh, learner's manual, and you get online access. And you get a certificate because there's a test. You will have to pass this. So you will wrestle with this. At the end, when you finish this, you're not going to master. All right? Let me just warn you. You're just, you're just in the process of learning. Okay. But, one last thing. From yes. <clears throat> when you're talking about culture, we're living in man's culture. And God has a culture. Mm. And he's drawing us to his culture. And what we share should be his culture. Mm. And we had a young lady when my wife was teaching school that got pregnant and they wanted to kill a baby if she was going to stay with the family. And we ended up having her come and live with us for a year. She brought her twin sister, so that was two of them. And I sat down in the first week and I said, I'm not here to change your history or your culture. But I'm going to give you God's culture, and that's what we're going to be looking at. And I'm looking at you acting like my culture. We're going to act like God's culture. And for a year, 
year and a half on one of the cars, almost two years. <coughs> and they I really appreciate the fact that we charge nothing. Amen. Mm, wow. You know, the Lord did it. But that was an attitude that we had to go and sit right at the front not knowing what their culture was. And as we moved along, we found out what their culture was. You over a plane with six states of culture, Master. Have you realized that? You got to know them, you know, only empathize with them. You did something about this. You didn't bring them to your home to the point that you were doing this for the sake of the gospel. I pray that they, they came out of a situation where they did not know anybody in their family that had ever been married. 18, 20 year old kids did not know anybody in their family that had been. That, that was married and had stayed married, except one, one aunt and her husband had died. Other than that. <clears throat> oh, wow. So we have so many opportunities to start helping our people make those kind of connections with people out there, intentional connections for the sake of the gospel and deep relationship. So if you have any questions, if you like to get the materials, you can get it with me here, uh, ordered online. Uh, if you have any questions, you can approach uh, Marty's there. Uh, who's that? Neil is here, Bet Betsy. We can help you if you have any questions. You can go to our booth and go online, all right? And hopefully we can see in one of the uh, connection, we call it connection trainings. But if you want us to come and do an awareness training, like, like this one here, an hour, we can do that as well. Or you pass it for your leaders. But we hope to see in one of those connection trainings. Any, any uh, last word, brother? The Lord has used Neil. We've got to start with this. Thank God for his testimony on this. Yes. So thank you, Neil. We have this is last role. Uh, last time to, in his role, he's gonna he say bye bye, but he's today. but he's still a cultural master. Oh, you better believe yes, yes. <laughs> he's done it. By the way, he's living it out too. He's living it out. So we're gonna close with our prayer, brother Neil. I'm gonna ask you to close us in prayer and just pray for this group here that God can also use this as, as a catalyst. Gracious Heavenly Father, I am thankful for your Son Jesus Christ, who gave up his divine rights to come down on this earth, to walk this earth as a man who lived a sinless life, who ultimately paid the greatest sacrifice of all to give his life for us so that we may be standing reconciled before you justified as, we, as if we have never sinned because of the sacrifice and love of your son Jesus. I pray, dear Lord, that as we also walk on this earth, that the indwelling life of Jesus Christ that is within each of us will be manifested in ways that will astonish and astound all those that come in contact with us so that they no longer see me, but they see you, the very expression of Jesus Christ that is in us, and that we will be loving of all, dear Lord, for your glory and for your kingdom, I pray for each person in this room. May your spirit fall upon us even today. Convict our hearts so that we may continue to join you in your work and in your mission as you have commissioned us so many, many years ago. That the kingdom of God, that what we experience here on this earth will is also your will 
as he experienced it in Jesus' name. Amen.